are so unworthy, and yet you, you counted us worthy that you gave your life. So, Father, this morning we just we want to worship. We want to give you honor and glory. We want to praise your name for who you are. Lord, we, we just want to offer ourselves to you. All that we are, all that we ever will be, we give to you. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing our series in, in the book of Ephesians, this letter that, that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, but also it is a letter to us on how, to, how we live our lives. And I want to do a quick review. We begin chapter 4. If you would, turn to chapter 4 with me. Just a quick review on where we've been. You know, we began by talking about the fact that we have been chosen by God. That before the creation of the world, God decided, he determined that he wanted to be with us. And he loved us so much that, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. That, that we, were, we were chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. Then chapter 2. It was, we, it, Paul reminds us that, that at one time we were dead in our sin. But through Jesus Christ, his gift of, of, of coming and dying for us, we have been made alive. And that I have been made alive for a purpose. Not that my works save me, but my salvation produces works. Because I have been created for a purpose. And then last week, we focused on Paul's prayer for the church. Paul's prayer for you and I is that, that we would be empowered by the Spirit. And that we would, we would allow Christ to reside in our hearts. And that we would let love master us. And as a result, we would be filled to the fullness with God. So the first three chapters of Ephesians talks about doctrine, talks about our position in Christ, our position as believers. But Paul goes from speaking about doctrine, which is very important for us to understand, because if, if I don't understand doctrine, if I don't understand who God is and, and understand his word, I won't know how to live my life. And so these first three chapters are important for us to understand and to study. But with all, And as we study these first three chapters, with all of these blessings and honors and privileges of being a child of God comes obligation. There are, there are certain things that are expected of me as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so here in chapter 4 begins this transition from doctrine to duty. Because of all of these great gifts that I have received in that Paul talks about in these first three chapters, he says, now, as a result of that, therefore, this is now how you ought to live. And in verse 1, it says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of this calling that you have received. In the Amplified Bible, it says, I therefore, and whenever that word therefore is there, we need to ask, what is it there for? It's a transition from Duty from doctrine to duty. Paul says, therefore, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord appeal and to beg 
you to walk, to lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called, with a behavior that is a credit to the summons to serve, to God's serve. So he says, this is how you ought to live. This is your calling. So he asks the question, what is the calling? What is this calling that Paul is talking about? The calling to which we've been, the calling we've received is a calling to be new people bound together in unity under Christ. To become a new creation. So you ask the question, well, how do I live this life worthy of the calling that I've received? How do I do that? We know what the calling is, but how do I live this life? Well, Paul has the answer to that question. He says, the first thing we need to do is is we live in harmony. We live in harmony. And here in Ephesians 4, he talks about how that, what that harmony looks like. Guys, I'm sorry, Dwayne. Are we interrupting something? You know, I'm preaching here. Well, we were... This This is the part where you guys... Yeah, I'm pretty. We forgot about something. Okay. We were going to do a special earlier, and we forgot. And we we forgot about kind it. Kind of figured it was better late than never. Okay. Are we all right with that? Monitor. Well, we're going to do a monitor. Thanks. We're going to we're going to do trading sorrows this morning because uh, it's a Mark, song that everybody knows. What we talked about that man right back there. We just talked about that. Okay. Trading sorrows is overdone, overplayed, and no. they don't want to hear it. No, look, look we're at them. Do, we're look do, at their we're faces. Gonna, gonna tra- there's, there's got to be sorrow or something that they need to shake. Trading sorrows is appropriate. No, no, they need strength to rise. Look at them. They look like a bunch of weenies out there. They need, they need strength to rise. Talk, talk about. Oh, I can go out to my cartoon on the radio and pl- find that on any station out there. That's so overplayed. I can get any worship CD in the book, and that song's on it. All right, trading my sorrows is overplayed. Here's what Mark, do. Mark, no. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my sorrows. It's not going to work. That did not sound very good. Do Sorry. I need to help? Oh, easy for you to say. I don't think that would help at all. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's only bad enough as it is. Step back. Step away from the keyboard. Step away. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what do you want to play, Mark? Well, he is talking about unity. Yeah, we're not very unified, are we? I don't know. What do you want to play? What do you want to play? You want to sing How Great Is Our God? I like that song. I like that song. I like that song, too. I like that you like that song. I like that you like that song. <laughs> Let's do it. Do something like this. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. That sound better? (laughs) 
You know, so often that's the way, you know, we, we want our own way. We want to do our own thing. We, we want, um, we just want, we like things our way. And we, and we compromise harmony in the church for our own preferences and our own desires. And Paul says you need to live in harmony. If you, if you want to fulfill this calling, he says in, in verse 2, he says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So Paul tells us, this is how you keep harmony. This is how you live in harmony. First of all, you are humble and gentle. You know, and I have to look at myself, am am I humble and gentle? Am I gentle in my responses to people? Am I humble in the way I live my life? Or does it always have to be about me? And he says, we need to be patient. Am I patient? We need to bear with one another in love. Do I bear with others in love? Or am I judgmental and harsh when I don't get my way? And he says, not just make some effort, not just do a little bit. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the peace. Every effort keep the unity of the peace. And so am I making every effort to live in harmony with the people that live around me? Especially, I think Paul talking here is, is, he's talking about the body of Christ. Am I making every effort to live in harmony with the people in the body of Christ? Am I doing my part? The scripture says to live in peace as much as it depends on you. You know, what, what is my role? Not worrying about how people respond to my love and my patience, but, but what about Dwayne? What is Dwayne doing to, to bear with one another in love? The unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What am I doing? It's my responsibility because this gospel, this, 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 the, the church is, was, was designed to be one. We are one body. And Paul goes on to address this. He says that said, there is one body. And he's talking about the body of Christ, the church. We are one. Every believer is a part of this body. You know, we're not Methodists and Mennonites and Amish and, 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 and Presbyterians. We are the body of Christ. All of us are one body. And Paul says there is one spirit. That one spirit is the Holy Spirit that indwells all of us believers. And so if this one Holy Spirit indwells all believers, then we are one. We belong to each other in the Lord. We are one. He says there is one hope. That hope is in Jesus Christ that one day he will return for us and take us back to heaven with us. That is the one hope. And he says, there is one hope, one Lord, Jesus Christ. We serve the same master. Jesus came and died for all of us. He died for you and he died for me. That should unite us, not separate us. That should bring harmony and not division. One Lord. One faith. There is one settled body of truth, and that is this right here. This truth that we find in the word and this truth should unite us. 
There's one baptism, he says. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And he says, one God and Father of all. And if we all have the same Father, that means we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And he expects us to live as though we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, brothers and sisters have spats once in a while. At least... I did with my brothers and sister, and I see my children having those spats, but, I think, but they still love each other deeply. And they would still do anything, I think, for one another. We are, we all have the same father. And so, so Paul says, you are one. You should live in, you need to live in harmony because you are one. You know, you are one body. There is one spirit. There is one hope. There is one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism, and one Lord and Father of all. Live in harmony, church. Live in harmony, church in Ephesus. Live in harmony, church at Fairlawn. Live in the harmony, body of Christ. But then he goes on, he says, you know, there is this unity, there is this harmony that we need to have. But he says there is also diversity in this body. You know, there, there are, we all have difference, we all have varying gifts as we saw this morning. You know, Mark and Keith have differing gifts, but together they make beautiful music. All of us have differing gifts because, you see, in order for me to fulfill the calling that I have received, I need to live in harmony, but I also live to make a difference. Remember, this is about duty. This is about what I do with my faith. Remember back in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works which he's prepared in advance for me to do. All of us have been given different giftings. All of us have been given different things to do, but we need to do them in unity. We all have a calling. Every one of you has a call. Everybody that is a believer has a calling. And there is not one calling that is greater than the other. They are all greatly needed in the body of Christ. And for all of us, that takes on a different shape. You know, we all have different spiritual gift. We all have a different heart for different things. We have differing abilities and different personalities and different experiences. But we need to use those to fulfill the calling that God has given us. You know, and to some of us, you know, that is, that, that is ministry. That is, that is full-time ministry. But, but for most people, that is in, you, you fulfill your calling in your workplace and as a volunteer and talking to your friends and your neighbors. But all of us have a calling. Every person has a role in building the body of Christ. If you are sitting here as a believer this morning, you have a responsibility. You play a role in building the body of Christ. The question becomes, am I fulfilling my role? Am I doing my part as a follower of Jesus Christ? Because of all of these rich gifts that I have here in the first three chapters, am I fulfilling my calling? Paul said in in verse 11 of chapter 4, he says, It was he 
who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. For why does he do this? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Why have you been given a call? Why have, why have you been given gifts and abilities to build up the body of Christ? To make it stronger, to make it better. And he says to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And then in, 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 in verse 13, he says, until we reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. He says the reason that we need to do our part in building up the body of Christ is so that we will be made stronger in our faith and so that we can protect against false teachings. And there's a lot of that going around today, a lot of false teaching. All of us bear the part of the responsibility in, in reading God's word and understanding his word and then doing the things that it asks me to do. Live a life worthy of this calling that you have received. You know, if we would follow, if I would just take Ephesians chapter 4 and I would live it out, if we would all do that, the body of Christ, what we could do would be limitless. So Paul says, live to make a difference. Do your part. Be a part of the body. In Romans it says, So in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. We have differing gifts according to the grace given. See, these gifts have been given by God. They're not something I choose. They're given to me by Him. And He expects me to use them to build up and make the body of Christ stronger. I live in harmony. I live to make a difference. And then Paul says that we need to live in the light. See, if I want to live a life worthy of the calling, there has to be heart change. I can't continue to live like I lived in the past. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have to put off the old self. In verse 17, he says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles. In the futility of their thinking, don't live like you're separated from God. Don't live like you're separated from God. In other words, you need to reflect Jesus Christ. And in this past week, as I think back, how well have I reflected Jesus Christ? Do I live like a Gentile? What testimony are you leaving in the places that you've been? When people look at you, do they see a difference? When people look at me, do they see a difference? Do they, do they look at me and think, now there is somebody. There is a Christ follower. There's somebody that's different. There's somebody that stands out, but I have to put off the old self. 
And Paul explains the old self. He says that, he says in verse 18, he says, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Remember, we were dead, our hearts were hardened, but then we were made alive with Christ. He says, the Gentiles, they're still dead, their hearts are still hardened. It says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You see, when we engage in sinful practices, when we engage in all those, all those, the, 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 the things that the world has to offer, sex and drugs and alcohol, all those things, you know, people do that in the name of freedom. And yet it ends up, they end up being in bondage. Because what, having sex outside of marriage, what that does, it doesn't feed it. It doesn't take care of the appetite. It just makes the appetite stronger. And you need more and more and more. Pornography. Once you start down that road, there is a continual lust for more and more and more. And you are in bondage to that. Well, Paul says, as a, as a follower of Christ, you put those things behind you. You put off the old self. You're not, you're not living like the Gentiles anymore. He says, you, however, did not come to know Christ this way. He says, surely you, were, you heard of him and taught and were taught in him according with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. The old self you put off the day you accept Jesus Christ. You see, there's this, you know, we, we've all seen this thing where, you know, the devil's on one shoulder and there's an angel on the other shoulder and they're competing with you. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not spiritual schizophrenics. You know, we, we, we don't have the old spirit, and we don't have the old self and the new self both present. When I accept Jesus Christ, I put on the new self. The old self is gone. The old man is gone. Now, there are remnants of the sinful life still that still exist in me that, that, that I continually need to work towards eliminating. But when I put on the new self, when I am made alive in Christ, things about me change. But so much of, of, of so many people that call themselves Christ followers, nothing ever changes about them. You know, Gandhi was once asking in, he says, he says what, is Christianity's, what is Christianity's greatest enemy? He said, Christians. We are our own worst enemies because of the way we live and the testimony that we leave because we leave a testimony everywhere we go. And Paul says, says don't, don't leave a bad test. Don't live like, like the Gentiles do. He says in verse 25, he says, says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor because we are members of the same body. See, Paul, he says, this is what you shouldn't do in, in, the, in these verses in, in um, 
from verse 17 to 25. But then he says, okay, here's how you ought to live. Here's the things as a follower of Christ, when you put on the new self, here's how you will live. He says, you, you first of all, you speak the truth. In verse, in verse 25, he says, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. He says, we res- you, respond, you will respond to conflict righteously in verse 26 and 27. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger while you're angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now, Paul says, you know, there are times when you will become angry. There are times when you will be up. But he says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, respond in a righteous, in a loving way. Because there are things that make us angry. You know, people make me angry at times, but it's my response. Paul, Paul says, don't respond in the wrong way. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. I believe what he's saying there is, is, look, when you become angry, you need to take care of that before you go to bed. Because for all of you that are married, you know that, that when you go to bed angry at your spouse and you don't take care of it before you fall asleep, Sleeping over it does not take care of anything. It probably makes it worse. And when you get up in the morning, you don't feel any better than you did when you went to bed. And it continues to get worse and fester. And pretty soon, Paul says that that, that Satan sets up, he gets a stronghold. He sets up camp in your heart. He says, don't let him have a foothold. Don't let him get a hold of you because of your anger. Take care of it. And therein is where forgiveness comes in because, because if we don't take care of issues that we have with people, of people that have made us angry, we don't go and ask forgiveness or we don't go and, and extend forgiveness, pretty soon Satan's going to get a hold of us and we're going to become angrier and angrier and, and bitterness will begin to take hold. And bitterness kills a lot of people. And so if you're sitting here this morning and and, and you have bitterness, and you have in your anger not taken care of it in the right way, you need to start today to take care of it. Because it's not going to just go away. If you're angry at your parents, you're, you're, you're 60 years old and you're angry for something that your parents did to you, and maybe they're not even living anymore, you need to go back. If there are people that, that you know that, 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 that have offended you or that you have offended and you haven't taken care of it, you need to go back and take care of that because it's just going to get worse. And you will not be able to, to leave a good testimony. Paul says, respond to conflict righteously. He says, he who has been stealing, let him steal no more. But he must work. Do something useful with your hands that he may have something to share with those in need. So we speak the truth. We respond righteously to conflict. We stop stealing, living that lifestyle. Then he says, in verse 29, he says, And don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, 
that it may benefit those who listen. Maybe one of the biggest problems that exists in the church today is this thing of unwholesome talk. Not letting unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Guarding our tongues. Because, you know, we can destroy someone. We can destroy someone's character. We can kill people with our tongues. Paul says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up. So what we need to do is, is on a continual, minute-by-minute basis, be, be keeping this thing here in check. Asking ourselves before we speak something, is this building somebody up or is this tearing them down? Is this building up the body of Christ or is this going to cause disunity? Is this tearing it down? And I think it's one of the the greatest challenges that all of us have. Because for some reason, we we would much rather engage in, in, in juicy conversation than in wholesome talk. Paul says, live in the light. You know, don't live like the Gentiles do. Control your tongue. Let only what is helpful for building others up come out of your mouth. And that, that the things that you speak will benefit those who are listening. You know, the Bible addresses coarse joking what the things that come out of our mouth at the places we work and, in, and at the places we go in, in the name of, of, of telling a good joke. We all like to tell a good joke. But when it becomes crude and it becomes coarse joking, the Bible calls that sin. It says, I don't want that. Because you're not leaving a good testimony. Paul says, speak only what will benefit those who listen. So as I run through my mind, I think in the last week, what are, was my, did my tongue speak only things that were beneficial to the people that listened? Did I tear people down or did I build people up? Because that's a very serious thing. And I need to continually guard my heart. You know, and as I, as I walk through this, this, this chapter this week, it's like, I have a lot of work to do. You know, I, I, am, I have some challenges in my life for myself that I need to work on. Because if I live the way that Ephesians 4 teaches, then I will make a difference in the people around me. I will make a difference in my world. And that's what Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to do. And Paul says in verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, don't grieve this Holy Spirit that has filled you. You know, you know, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And I think there are times that he weeps at the way I act and the things I say and the way that I think. Paul says, don't grieve him. So I have work to do. I have challenges before me that I need to address. Have I grieved? How often? It, it, the question isn't if I have But the question becomes, how often have I grieved the Holy Spirit? And so I have work to do. I have to guard my heart. I have to guard my tongue. And he says, get rid of all the bitterness, 
the rage, the anger, the brawling, and the slander, along with every form of malice. And instead, instead of those things, Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another. So there's the key. You know, what's my goal this week? Because out of this, I hope that all of us reflect and maybe write a couple things in your notes. Here is how I'm going to change. Here's how I'm going to change my life. And, you know, so often it's easy for us to, you know, to sit down or, or, or on our way home, you know, say, you know, Bert, he really needed to hear that this morning. Um, Will, he really needed to hear this because I know, I, I've heard him talking and he really needs to change some of his ways. But my challenge to myself is, you know, I'm not talking at you. My question is, how can Dwayne change this week? You know, what does Dwayne need to do to live a life worthy of the calling that I have received? How does Dwayne respond? What are three things that Dwayne can do this week to become kind and compassionate? To be forgiving. He says, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as Christ in God forgave you. You know, Jesus Christ came, he gave his life for this sinful, wretched person. He forgave me unconditionally for every sin I ever committed. Everything I ever did, he forgave me unconditionally. There were no strings attached. He said, I forgive you because I love you. I forgive you. And my response is, I forgive because it's the right thing to do. You know, and, and, and you know, I hear people saying, well, I will forgive them as soon as they ask. You can't wait till somebody asks you to forgive you to forgive them. Forgiveness is a choice that I make every day. And there may be people in your life that you have to forgive every day. It's a daily choice that I make. And it's the difference between living a victorious Christian life and living a life where I'm wallowing in my pain and my sorrow. It is a daily choice that I make. So Paul says, when my anger is brought under control and it is with, replaced with a Christ-like attitude, then I can live a life worthy of this calling that I have received. Live in harmony. Live, live to what? I even forget. What do you live to? Somebody's got it written down. Live to make a difference. Then live in the light and stay in the light. You see, the old self... When I'm living, the old self brings disunity. The new self brings unity. And that's my desire. My desire is to bring unity to the body of Christ, to bring harmony to, to the body of Christ, to make a difference in the body of Christ, to make a difference in the world in which God has placed me. And I am the only person that can do that. You know, no, I, you know, I can't change you, you can't change me, but I can change the way that Dwayne thinks and acts and responds. So I want you to take three minutes, two minutes. We're just going to be quiet. I want you to write down three things 
that you're going to do this week to live life differently. I know there may be a few of you out there that, that, that are right on target and, and that, that don't need to change anything. That's great. But for the rest of us, for me, what are the things I need to do to be kind and compassionate, to forgive? Father, as we, as all of us think about what needs to change. Lord, how we can better live a life worthy of this calling that we have received. Lord, that you would show all of us changes, improvements that we can make. And Lord, as we, as we write them down, Lord, that we would begin to, 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 Lord, that we would do more than just think about them. Lord, we would begin to take steps to to change. Lord, begin this journey to 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 becoming more like you. This journey to 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 better fulfilling this life that we would live this life that's worthy of a calling. So, Lord, how do I change? And give us all, Lord, give me the strength. Lord, Give me humility, first of all, to recognize my weaknesses and then the strength to overcome through the Holy Spirit those weaknesses that you show me. And Lord, that through this, I would be changed, we would be changed, the church would be changed, our community would be changed, our world could be changed. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in closing, I want to read to you this, what the local church could be if we would all be living a life worthy of this calling that we have received. It says, there is nothing like the local church when it is working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources to those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized in the world. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. And look, is that the church? Is that us? Is that how we operate? Is that what we're accomplishing? Because I believe that's the way God created. That's why the church is, is here, to make a difference in the world. But it begins with each one of us. 